It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with certified financial planners Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the program. With me in the KFG studios, two CFPs, but one's also a CPA, Josh Gregory and CPA, CFP, Ryan Fair. Yeah, we're glad to have you, Ryan. Well, it's tax filing time again, and this tax season comes with a whole bunch of changes. We're going to be covering questions from the pandemic as it relates to your tax picture. Things like, when can you file? And will I have to pay tax on the unemployment benefits that I got? Those questions and more coming up on this show. If you have a question for the show, I mean, it, it, it's all tax questions. I mean, that's it. This, it. That's what today's show is about. We're going to, this is actually a two-part series that we're just going to devote to tax questions because there's so many. But we'd love to hear from you. Engage with us and ask your question. You can do so a few different ways. Call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can submit questions right there as well. But then most questions and engagement come on social media, whether that's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, wherever. Search The Wise Money Show. Follow us there and submit questions there as well. All right, welcome back, Ryan. Glad to have you with us. It, uh, yeah, I always enjoy having you in here. Nerd, uh, I enjoy it as well, man. Nerd now on taxes. So, like Josh said, COVID has brought just a ton of changes. And so, Josh, here's what we're gonna do, bud. We're gonna try and stump Ryan. I love oh, that. Okay, man. so here we're just gonna I throw do that it off. every day, I, though. I oh. want you guys to know this is what I did. Yeah, uh, yesterday I went through the the hallways of Corhorn Financial Group, and I said, "All right, advisors, give me your hardest." Quest tax questions from the pandemic, and I I got some doozies. I got mm. some doozies, and we're gonna throw them at Ryan. And uh, this is gonna be a two part series. <laughs> so so hang you know hang with us today, and then in a couple of weeks we're gonna have Ryan back on. And I'll tell you one question, my favorite question of the pandemic with taxes. We're not hitting today. It's gonna be our headliner next time, and that is if you worked from home for part of the year, do you get a to claim the home office deduction? I come back for that one because to me that's the biggest question of the pandemic. But let's start with an easy one, Ryan. Is that okay? Got it. Please. Oh, okay. <laughs> the easy when, one's coming. When I, when can you file your return? Can you file by now? What have they extended the deadlines? What are what are some of the rules as far as like when you can file and what the deadlines? Yeah. So the IRS came out and said that the first day to file was actually yesterday. So uh, February twelfth was when they when they said. The e-file systems are open for business, ready to accept your individual returns. Normally, this is mid-January, yeah, right? Usually around yeah, the end 20th. of January, yeah. 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 Well, there have been years in the past where we're waiting on the IRS to finalize some forms, you know, when they started monkeying around with uh, trying to help you file on a postcard. Remember that? That's stupid, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I don't know. There, it seems like there's often delays because every time Congress changes a, a law at the last minute, yep. they have to scramble around, not only change the forms, but change their systems and, and whatnot. So we, we'll give them a little bit of grace. Yeah. So that's what this one's all about is this is probably at least two weeks later than normal opening 
opening yeah. days of filing season. Um, but yeah, Congress passed all this stuff on December what 27th, mm-hmm. and so that leaves the IRS scrambling to try to, like Josh said, update forms. You know, the majority of taxpayers e-file, so they have to get all their computer systems reprogrammed to account for these new stimulus payments. They have to send out postcards uh, telling everyone how much their stimulus payments were for their tax filing uh, purposes. And there's a whole bunch of logistics that are pushing this back. Hmm. So what are they doing with the deadlines then? So it could could change at any moment. Yeah. Who who knows? I I personally think this might have been the precursor to them pushing back the April 15th. Like permanently? No, not permanently, but for this year again. Yeah. Um, But but as of right now, everything is still set for normal filing deadlines. So S-Corps and partnerships are still going to be due March 15th. All of our individual tax filers filing their 1040s, those are are set for April 15th still at this point. But Mm -hmm. by the time you listen to this, that may have changed. Who knows? Uh, You know, that'd be another reason to stay connected with us on Facebook and YouTube and all that. We'll, We'll... deliver all those changes as they happen. As as the virus continues to spread, and yet the vaccine doesn't <laughs> at the moment, you know, some people are wondering how to get their taxes done in a COVID kind of germy world. I am absolutely pumped by the, the new system that we have here. Um, just Ryan, really quick before we get into questions, just, I mean, for anyone who's saying, okay, well, I know that I can start filing my return now. How do I do it with as limited human to human interaction as possible? Yeah. So I, first of all, I never dreamed at this point, you know, a year ago that we would still be talking about COVID. Um, I thought it was going to be in and out and over uh, yeah. in a few months you know, the two weeks to slow the spread and then it would kind of die down. Um, Anyways, that's really forced us to change a lot of our systems and the stuff that we have available for taxpayers. Um, With the shutdown last tax season, it forced us to to really learn a lot um, of how we deal with clients remotely. Um, It really scrambled to change a lot of our systems and accommodate the shutdown last tax season. During tax season, during the middle of the middle, Yeah. and so this year, you know, prior to the p- pandemic, we were comfortable with Zoom. We use Zoom frequently for dealing with clients that were out of town uh, to help, you know, talk through situations, meet with them virtually. Um, we really hadn't used it when we're meeting locally with people yeah. across town instead of across the country. Um, we got really good at that last year and still continue to do that. And then, um, you know, as information gathering, so everything is still paper for the majority of taxpayers where they receive their W-2s via paper, they receive all their mortgage interest, their bank statement, their interest, all that stuff is paper for filing. And for clients as well as employees, they were kind of you know hesitant of sure. mm-hmm. passing off all this paper and bringing paper printed returns back home. So this tax season, we or this off season, we um, found a new software that They've been around for a lot of years, but it's new to us. It's called TaxCaddy. And what it is, is it's an app in a computer, you know, a, a internet-based program where clients can upload all of their information to us very easily right on their cell phones. Yeah. So they can take pictures of their, of their forms. It comes straight to us. They can answer all of the questions that we ask them every year. They can sit there and click yes and no on their, <clears throat> on their questionnaire at their convenience. So they could be, yeah. you know, sitting in line somewhere, uh, waiting to check out or 
wherever and answer mm-hmm. all their questions. It's super easy. Yeah. You know, um, w- one of the questions that a lot of people have wrestled with in recent years is whether or not they even need a paper copy of a tax return. Mm-hmm. You know, do I have to have it physically in my file system in the basement or whatever? I- I'm hearing more and more people actually eager to purge those files, yep. those filing cabinets and everything. And they're often asking, well, how, how many years do I need to keep? Yep. Right. And do they even need to be a paper copy? Right. Can they be a PDF now, Um, especially knowing that your CPA uh, also has a copy at any time that you could tap into? Yeah, the IRS has embraced all of the, you know, cloud storage for for taxpayers. So you don't have to have physical receipts, physical copies of your tax returns and W-2s. That stuff can be scanned and saved digitally. And that is effective or or good enough for the IRS if there was ever an audit or a need to review something. Um, So I personally, that's the only way I do my stuff. I don't keep paper copies of everything in my file cabinet. You know, it's funny, every year when I'm meeting with clients, I hear these questions with, well, we got married back in 1966 and (laughs) I've got every copy since. Do you think I can get rid of any of them? And the answer is is yes. You know, if you feel inclined to keep paper copies of any of that, the longest period that I always tell people is seven years. That's yeah. kind of the safe and easy answer. Yeah. Um, but so. if everything's digital and we're switching to a more digital platform anyway, I mean, that that's that's good. I, I was thrilled when I was taking pictures of my W-2 and stuff and 1099s uploading it. It's pretty yeah. sweet. So cool. more and more questions coming up right here on Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Is your stimulus check taxable? What about the additional pandemic unemployment assistance? Uh, all sorts of tax questions. We're we're playing stump the CPA today. Ryan Fair with us. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG Studios. Josh Gregory, and like I said, special guest CPA Ryan Fair. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. Engage with us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at. We are there as well. Search the Wise Money Show, engage with us there, and submit questions there as well. Okay, Ryan, I was, uh, it was a couple weeks ago, inauguration. It's really funny. I was watching some comments about the inauguration, which is, you know, that's that'll put you in a bad mood. Like <laughs> on both sides, you know, people just mean and whatever. I did have the funniest one was someone said, "Man, this party looks pretty fancy for someone that owes me two thousand bucks." <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So I so anyway, okay. So all this stimulus, right? All this stimulus. This has been interwoven with taxes, and most right. people don't realize it. So is this stimulus money? Is it taxable? So good news, no, none of the stimulus money that you've received is taxable. And I'm talking about specifically the stimulus. So something else that you threw in there was unemployment. We'll get there next. Okay. We'll get there okay. next. So let's just talk about that helicopter money, that direct payment, that yeah. that twelve hundred, that six hundred, that I was gonna say you keep referring to this like singular. These are a series of checks yeah, at this point. Unbelievable. Yeah. Your stimulus salary at this point. <laughs> My goodness. It yeah. just keeps coming. Okay, so not taxable. Not taxable. Okay. So, but but I, so the way they get around that, just to geek out, it's a tax credit. Right. So so like let's then get into the minutia for just a second. Say 
you know, it, it was a stimulus payment paid to you based on your last filed return. So for right. most people, that was 19. 19 yep. um, what, uh, what if you didn't qualify in 19, but you qualify in 20? So yeah, if you didn't qualify for some reason in 19, most likely because your income was too high, um, but your income dipped back down below the limits for 2020, you will get your stimulus payment on your tax return as, as a, a tax credit. As a tax mm -hmm. credit. And yep. and like always, I mean tax credits are not taxable. So right. that, that's how they get around this. Yep. So then what about this one? Um, I I had a child in 2020. They weren't a dependent on my 2019, mm -hmm. but they are in 2020. That's a good everyone's, question. everyone's talking about getting six hundred bucks or five hundred bucks for these kids and I'm buying diapers. Yeah. And I'm not getting money. So 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 good news again on that one. So the all of the stimulus payments received so far have been prepayments of 2020 tax credits. So if you had a new child in 2020, you actually will get both stimulus credits for the child, meaning the $500 and the $600. So mm -hmm. you will get an $1,100 credit on your 2020 tax return for that child. And you still get the normal tax credit for children, $2, right? $2,000. Children yes. under age 17, couple grand a piece. Yeah. Man, so... I, I, I hope you tuck that child into 2020 instead <laughs> yeah. of 2021. <laughs> yeah, if you had a child, if you had that baby on January, January 1st. <laughs> wow, that oh come on, honey, that is terrible timing. <laughs> okay, so okay, so so what about what about the opposite here? You know, one of the, one of my biggest complaints about the stimulus has been um, the the children left behind. Yeah. <laughs> no child left behind. No yep, folks, we've gone. got children left behind. If they're age 17, if they're a dependent of yours, but age 17 or older, nada. They, they, they don't, they haven't gotten anything. So they're age 16 in 2019. Mm -hmm. They turned 17 in 2020. Did the IRS system, did they know that? Did they, did, like, it, are I they going to take so. your stimulus back? No. So they're not going to be taking the stimulus money back, um, which is you know, interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, it's good for taxpayers, uh, not good for the government as far as money going out. But, uh, but no, they're not going to be taking the money back um, yeah. if they've received the. And it doesn't become taxable if you turn. No. If it turns out that you really weren't eligible for this, right. you got the advance check, and it's not something that gets counted on your tax return. It's not like that becomes taxable income for All you right. either. So it's if you just, got the money, you got the money. Yep. If you oh. if you're thinking, hey, this is so awesome, I, go to worlddebtclock.org. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So unemployment. Now this is a different story. Yeah. I think if I could make a prediction, I did hear on the program a couple weeks ago saying this, that we're going to have a retirement boom. Everyone agreed with me. Um, if I were to make a prediction, this this year, it will be a wailing and gnashing of teeth around taxation of unemployment. Yeah. Is unemployment taxable? And what about the extra pandemic assistance amount, the extra 600 a week, the extra 300 a week, the extra 400 a week? All taxable, Mike. So, Man. so yeah, I'm, I'm uh, you know, some people use those plastic barriers for uh, virus protection. <laughs> I'm going to use them for security for uh, the angry clients that want to jump across the table at me this year. But um, but no, that stuff is all taxable. So unemployment, uh, whether it's regular unemployment, the bonus unemployment, whatever you want to call it, uh, that stuff is all taxable this year. So hopefully, you know, a lot of people do withhold from their 
from their unemployment checks, uh, but it's only 10%, usually on the federal 10%. side, which and, is not enough. In- and you said a lot of people. I and We work we work with yeah. a weird segment of the population because people uh, you know are, are more aware, more attentive. I, I don't think most people. Yeah, you're probably I, I think, right. I mean, because <laughs> logic, and that's your first mistake. Don't use logic yeah. when trying to um, understand government and taxes and everything. But logic would say this is unemployment. The government is is giving me money for Hopefully, aid. Yeah. Why why would I have to give some of it back? So well, and there are some states around the country that do not make you count all of this, or maybe don't even make you count any of it. Of course, there's some states that don't even have a state income tax, so mm-hmm. it wouldn't apply there. But um, if, if you're listening to this and you're outside of Indiana, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, which is kind of our backyard, um, you, you need to look at your own individual state to just make sure that it's not already counted. But I, I would make sure that you're planning ahead, especially on that federal level, because that's the right. heavier tax bite. Um, it's going to be counted and it surprises people all the time. It's just that in this environment in 2020, there's literally millions of people that have gotten this unemployment never gotten it before in their life, and now they potentially are going to be surprised. And just a uh, fact check here. I said World uh, Debt Clock. and Oh, no, it's usdebtclock.org if you want to know. So we all have about $85,000 of debt per citizen. Like, that's what we owe. It's crazy. So, um, okay, what about the they, – they changed some of the rules with – required minimum distribution. Yeah. And so, Josh, I don't know if you want to speak into some of those rules, but um, if someone took it out and then put it back in after the rule change, how does that account on their taxes? Well, yeah, so let's define required minimum distributions real quick because it's a phrase that we use on the show a lot. If it applies to you, you probably know it. Um, But Essentially, once you reach a certain age, and it's now age 72, you have to begin drawing out of your retirement accounts, and that's because the government wants to tax you on on this money. Also, if you inherit money uh, in in an IRA or another retirement account, you will be forced uh, over time to start pulling money out of those accounts as well. It's just that the rules got all shaken up last year. Mm -hmm. They had already been shaken up. Uh, because of the Secure Act at the end of 2019, and then 2020 comes around, and we got a pandemic, and suddenly they give you the year off. Um, but maybe you didn't take the year off. All right, it's you, still taxable to you whether you took it uh, if you did take the, the the money out. But many people, um, yeah, they they passed. They they didn't have to take it in 2020. And if you put it back in, right? Then they that was something new that they allowed this year, where they allow you to put it back in, and it is treated more like a rollover, so it's not taxable in those cases. And they gave you a little bit more time. Normally, that's right. a sixty-day rollover. They gave you they gave you a little, little bit more time. I've got several others here about when our estimates due, living in one state, working from home, PPP for all of you small businesses. We've got that and more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Did you have any of those kiddos doing virtual learning or or homeschool? Do you get a homeschool deduction? <laughs> 
Interesting question. Yeah. We'll see if uh, we still like Ryan or not. Uh, this is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFC studios, Josh Gregory and, yes, CPA Ryan Fair. We're trying to stump him today, asking him all of the most important tax questions related to the pandemic. And, folks, there are so many we're doing two shows. This is a, a this is our first part of a two-part series on the greatest tax questions from the pandemic. Uh, if you've missed anything thus far, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast, so go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Search the Wise Money, Fo- Wise Money Show when you do so. Uh, rate the show. We appreciate that. Give us a rating and leave some feedback there. Leave a comment. We appreciate that. All right, let, let's, let's keep going here. So you, you heard last year about this crazy thing called the coronavirus. And then the IRS latched onto it and said, we're going to make this you know, coronavirus-related distribution. And what that means is you could, if you had COVID or your spouse had COVID or you were adversely financially impacted, which was pretty much all of us. Now your hours were cut or you lost your job or whatever. Had to quarantine. Right? Had to quarantine, right? Um, any of those three criteria, then you were eligible to withdraw up to $100,000 out of your retirement account and say, oh, well, whoop-de-doo, thanks. Well, there's a couple cool features. Number one, if you were not age 59 and a half and supposed to pay a 10% penalty, that penalty was waived. Mm -hmm. Awesome. It's still taxable money, but then that kind of gets to part two, and you can choose to stretch the taxation of that money over three years, 2020, 21, and 22. Um, so now it gets to tax time (laughs) and how do you know, Ryan, how does someone know how this is taxed or, uh, is it automatically like, like, are you going to do we, I how, how does a coronavirus related distribution show up on the return? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, (laughs) uh, so stump the CPA, is that what you called this? No. Um, it's going to show up at, you're going to get a 1099. Right. You're going to get a 1099 R that shows a retirement plan distribution. Um, I believe there's going to be a separate code that distinguishes that this was a coronavirus-related distribution, or or part of it was. And at that time, I believe the taxpayers have the option where mm-hmm. they can elect to have it prorated, taxed, or prorated over a three-year period, as opposed to all being taxable in one year. Is that the default, by the way, like that it's going to be spread out over three years? Or is the default, you took it in 2020, it's going to be counted in 2020, all taxed, everything in the year that you took it? I believe that it, the default will be taxable in 2020 unless you elect to, to stretch it out over three years. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. I did read something that, that said it does need to be coded the right way as yeah. a coronavirus-related distribution that is... That's some jargon. That's an official term, as opposed to, you know, in in years past, there was always this option of taking a hardship withdrawal. Right. And a hardship withdrawal is not eligible for the same, you know, prorating and payback rules and and all that. So, boy, I sure hope that it got coded correctly when um, you, you took that distribution. I mean, here's the thing. So we've got Ryan to CPA. We've got a full team of tax preparers, CPAs, and and we always talk. And Wise Money Show is talking about planning. It's talking about comprehensive financial planning. Tax planning is part of this. But the reason, especially this year, you need a pro doing your taxes is how are you going to make this election? And then there is another ace up the sleeve with this thing. If you took a coronavirus-related distribution and 
you want to pay it back. You realize, nah, I actually didn't need that money. You have up to three years to yeah. do that, and then you amend your returns. So work with a pro this year. I mean, we can't help everyone. So reach out to a CPA. If we, if you would like our help, you can find us online, corehorn.com or wisemoneyshow.com, but work with a pro. You know what? I, I would go even further and say that even more strongly, that if you were involved in any way with a coronavirus distribution or someone in your family passed away after doing that, I would just plan on the next three years at least working with yeah. a CPA because the decision making and your ability to kind of unwind some of the, the choices yeah. that were made, there may be some really big planning opportunities here if you're paying attention. All right. We, we've got to get to business owners um, quickly, but I want to sneak a question in here first. So, so my kids did e-learning or virtual learning for a chunk of last spring. Um, we sent them to school this fall. Um, they've each had to quarantine a lot. Um, <laughs> thankfully, they haven't had it yet, but they've had been close contacts. So all these parents have this burden of doing this schooling stuff from home. Do they get a homeschool deduction? Well, Mike, congratulations. Um, no, you don't. Oh, <laughs> Ryan. Yeah, I, good effort, um, but no. So what you're referring to in Indiana, we have a, a separate tax deduction uh, $1,000 if you have, uh, it's per child for homeschool or private school um, education. And if you are still enrolled in public schools, uh, but doing virtual, that does not count as homeschool. And the reason yeah. why is when, you know, Kuiper was the first one that was uh, a close contact. And when we got that news, they gave him his tote and right. he brought all of his his materials home. The reason you get the deduction if you're homeschooling is you've got to buy your own materials. Right. You, there are expenses there. With public school, even, yeah, when they send the kiddos home for virtual learning, they're they're going to send you. I mean, you certainly probably had some expenses, sure. But yeah. that's that's your justification. Let's start talking to you small business owners. And, and before we get into the PPP, what about estimates? Most small business owners pay estimates, but but you know a lot of individuals do as well. Last year, with the you know when when someone files their return and they tell you, hey, these are the estimates I paid or I didn't pay, there are typically can be penalties if you didn't pay them on time. When they when were they due last year? Yeah, so last year with the extended original tax filing deadline, they also extend the estimated tax deadlines, and so. First and second quarter were were both due uh, July fifteenth of twenty twenty. Okay. Third quarter remained the same, so that was September fifteenth, twenty twenty, and then fourth quarter also remained the same, January fifteenth of twenty twenty one. So it, I, I had some clients who were paying quarterly estimates for the very first time oh. last year, and you know we, we come to April fifteenth. Oh, you don't have to pay. Yeah. June fifteenth. That's the normal date. You don't have to pay. Right. And uh, that's good because they had forgotten, actually. Yeah. Uh, they hadn't gotten into that habit yet, and July 15th kind of bailed them out. But don't plan on that for this year. Right. Right? you got to be ready for your normal. Everything goes back to normal until they change it again. Yep. Right? If you are a small business owner and you did not receive the PPP loan, you're going to want to talk to a financial professional about it and um, there is PPP round two. It's it's more uh, strict and who will qualify, but talk to a, a professional about it. If you did receive it, though, you've got to be working with a, a with a qualified CPA firm. Yeah. Um, the the taxation of this money has been an absolute 
nightmare. It's been a just all sorts of drama. Really quick, Ryan, and in 30 seconds, what would you say about the taxability of PPP forgiveness? Yeah, long story short, uh, the PPP forgiveness is not taxable uh, as long as you used it for the qualified expenses, which were primarily payroll, um, mortgage interest, rent, you know, those uh, few qualified expenses. Um, so it's not taxable and you get to use those expenses just like normal that you were paying for payroll expenses. Uh, you can deduct those just like any other year. So you get the tax write off without having to count it as income. In other words, that's correct. Uh, double whammy in your favor and yeah. awesome. in your favor. And you know, I, I remember mother's day driving to go pick up uh, dinner for Cindy, th- hearing the drama that no, this money's going to be taxable. Right. No, I actually at that time the money's going to you're going to have to pay it all back. Right. You don't even get this. Um, the, the, most businesses don't get it, and then no, it's going to be taxable. No, they're not going to let you use these deductions. It's been all sorts of drama, but good news. Work with your CPA if you've got the PPP. All right, we've got more stump the CPA coming up on Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. You live in one state, you work in another. How in the world do those taxes shake out? We're going to going to ask Ryan Fair, CFP and CPA, that question coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Josh Gregory and special guest Ryan Fair. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our YouTube channel. Go check it out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications as well, because this full one-hour talk show isn't the only thing that airs on that channel. We also have daily financial nuggets, next wise steps, we call them, that show up every single business day. So check that out. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, turn on notifications. All right, we've been playing Stump the CPA with pandemic-related tax questions, Ryan. We're shifting gears away from pandemic-related questions just to normal tax questions from fan to the show. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. And, uh, and, and just so you know, um, I had shared the earlier questions with Ryan before the program. And, but these questions I was intentionally hiding from him mm. until <laughs> Josh just got too nice. And I think Josh sent him the link. He did. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to see Ryan squirm. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Okay. First question was texted in. It's not from uh, you know an individual. We don't have their name, but here was the question. I live in one state, but I switched jobs this year and started working in a different state. How does that work on my taxes? Yeah. Good question. Um, so yeah, typically you pay, pay state income tax to the state that you live in. Um, so for retired uh, clients, for example, you know, if they live in Indiana and, you know, all of their income is, is taxable to Indiana. Um, if you are working in another state, most other states want you to pay tax, income tax on that income to their state. Um, Indiana has special agreements with a few states. Michigan is our obviously our closest neighbor that uh, we deal with. It's called a reciprocal agreement where Indiana and Michigan agree not to tax each other's income at the state level. So if you live in Indiana, work in Michigan, Michigan says, okay, Indiana, you take the tax on that. Uh, We won't charge anything to your client. The reverse though is 
confusing. If you live in Indiana or live in Michigan, work in Indiana, the states have the agreement. However, Indiana has this county income tax where mm-hmm. Michigan residents still have to pay the county tax to Indiana, not the state level, but the county. And then what makes it even more confusing is they get a credit then on their Michigan tax return for taxes paid to another state or government entity. I tell you what, when when we get to know new clients for yep. the, the very first time and we start investigating their tax picture, sometimes we stumble upon mistakes made in the past because of yep. this very issue, Yeah. right? Not coordinating the two years quite right, or yep. the two, two states, rather. Yeah, this is by far, I'd say, probably the most common mistake that we see with taxpayers uh, that self-prepare their own returns. Last year, it was kind of, it was great because uh, we we had a individual from a company that, you know, had self-prepared TurboTax a return, and... Uh, we've caught this mistake. He went back to his coworkers, seven or eight, is at least seven, eight, 10 of the coworkers scheduled appointments with me. And we went back and amended three or four years worth of state returns and got back thousands and thousands of dollars for these guys. It was awesome. Yeah. So that's the kind of news you like to deliver, right? Exactly. Yeah. We found a mistake and a solution for you. Exactly. We found a mistake in your favor. That's right. And so, you know, our office, uh, we've got an office in Niles. We've got an office in Granger. We've got an office in Napanee. We've got an office in Walkerton. And so we are in the Michiana area, so we see this a lot. Right. Um, if you self-prepare or if you're working with someone who does taxes out of their house, they're likely going to miss this. Yeah. You know, another scenario that's becoming more and more prevalent is you work from home. Maybe you work virtually. Maybe you're a, a salesperson for a company that's located in a different state, but you work out of your house here in Indiana or Michigan or whatever. And uh, another mistake that sometimes happens corporately by employers is they just default to withholding the taxes for their own state. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've got clients who work for Virginia companies, and the, the employer just won't stop withholding Virginia taxes only, right. and uh, it can create some issues on the Indiana return for this this client. Yeah, they would owe you know big Indiana income tax, which would have most likely include some penalties right. and interest for not paying in throughout the year. And then they, the client then is required to file a Virginia tax return to get 100% of that withholdings back because they never owed any tax to Virginia. They, they didn't work or live in Virginia in that mm-hmm. example. So, mm. yeah. So right. I, in, in this day and age when you get your paycheck stubs uh, sent to you digitally, digitally maybe yeah. you don't review it like you once did. You don't really kind of scrutinize those details. But uh, this is part of the reason to have a financial advisor in your life, to have a CPA that collaborates, someone who's got extra eyes on this scenario to try to catch those things early on so it doesn't become a problem for you. One of the investment themes for 2020, and we still can't tell, and it probably doesn't really matter, but um, there's been a lot of attention drawn on folks that are um, brand new investors. And brand new investors have um, have taken stimulus money or taking taken a little extra of their unemployment and they've thrown it into uh, into the stock market using these really cheap apps. Robinhood is one of them, probably the most well known. And they're you know buying stocks. And, and and let me just geek out on you for a second. How do I know this, or or why is there this speculation? 
the cheaper the stock price, the better it has performed. And you might say, well, that makes sense. No, no, no. The stock price has nothing to do with the value of the company. Mm -hmm. The stock price has to do with how many shares are outstanding. And so, so much so that shares of, of companies that their stock trades at a dollar or less have performed twice as good as companies whose stock shares uh, trade at $2 to $1. That's perform better than stocks that are priced at $10, perform better than stocks priced at $25. It's unbelievable. That's crazy. And that suggests that people are just taking 20 bucks and throwing it into a, an app and saying, all right, well, what can I buy? Let me buy some stock. What they don't realize, number one, they don't realize there's risk <laughs> in the right. stock market, and we'll all feel that again at some point. Hmm. But the second thing they don't realize is the taxes that come with mm -hmm. all this buying and selling. So I got a question here. Do I really have to pay all this tax on these gains in my investments? How does this even work? <laughs> yes. Uh, so here's your wake-up call. Uh, get ready, because if you were doing kind of the, uh, the day trading approach where you were buying and selling and uh, short term, which... It doesn't have to be a day, but short term is considered less than a year for IRS purposes. And any capital gains, so anything that you sell the stock for higher than what you paid for it, is taxed as ordinary income. So so that's going to be right, included on your tax return as income, just like your W-2 or interest from the bank. It's gonna Except be nothing's going to be withheld against it. Exactly. Right? And so all of a sudden you made $3,000 or $4,000 and that lands on your tax return and nothing has been withheld on it. Yep. So that gets caught on the tax return and that's when the, the tax gets calculated. That's when you've got to pay. And if you didn't withhold enough taxes from your paycheck or some other source, you're going to owe that money come, come tax filing time. And if you owe too much, you could even have penalties thrown on top of that. Okay, know? so let me stump you, Ryan. Okay, you got uh, you got you got short-term capital gains and long-term capital gains. Yep. I think last year was the year of uh, of possibly speculation, people doubting the rally all along the way. So it starts going up. I'm going to sell. So we got a lot of short-term gains. Those short-term gains are taxed at what rate? Ordinary income. What if you were actually in the 10 or 12% tax bracket, but you sold something at short term versus if you just held it for long term? Yeah. So if you sold it while it was short term, it's taxed at that 12% or whatever tax bracket you're in. If you would have waited a little bit longer and held the stock longer so that it was uh, held over one year and had long-term capital gains, all of that capital gains would have been taxed in the 0% tax bracket on the federal return. That's mm -hmm. right. That's yeah. right. Because long-term capital gains, right. um, it's it's 0% or 15% or 20%, right? right. And, and until it all changes, yep. like they're going to... You know, this is also a good example of places in the tax code where the IRS gives you some goodies, you know, some, yeah. some sort of tax breaks that the state doesn't also give you. Correct. Quite often, the state's just going to tax you at your normal normal rate. Um, you know, in Indiana, for example, it's pretty much a flat tax that you pay yep. to the state. So just, just keep that in mind that even if you if if you play your cards right and you're able to avoid some tax at the federal level, you're not avoiding it at the state.
Correct. Yep. It's income is income on the state level in most cases. So we haven't even talked about, you know, the big questions with the pandemic related to charitable contributions. Mm, and and yeah. we we've done a couple shows on that. So if if you were really hoping to hear um, some comments about that, you'll just get, go to the YouTube channel, um, check it out. But we've got a question from Brinkley here that was texted in and she said, I made a donation to my church, which is a non, they're, they're a nonprofit and, yep. and they've got all the nonprofit tax ID number, whatever. Uh, the contribution I did through a bank transfer, ACH, and it happened at the end of December. And yet for some reason, the money didn't show up in the church's bank account until January 4th. Mm. How, Brinkley, how do you know that? That is my question because I texted with Brinkley about this, yeah. and but I never asked her. Like, how do you know it didn't show up in the church's bank account to the fourth? But anyway, say that's all legit. Yep. How? When does that? When does that count on your taxes? Yeah. So all of us individuals, when we file our tax returns, you're considered a cash basis taxpayer, which means you deduct it when it leaves your possession. So, so I, I would say that's a 2020 tax deduction if it left her account on. December 31st, let's deduct it on your 2020 tax return. Now, you just have to be uh, honest and remember that when your church sends you your 2021 giving statement that shows this deduction that you already took on the prior year tax return, you don't want to double deduct it. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you don't, like, you. I yes, you want yeah. to. <laughs> well, yes, but you, but you that's should a, not. Yeah, right? you shouldn't. It kind like, of negates the charitable or the, the church gift if you're a... Doing it fraudulently, double deducted. Okay, so if yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I donated to the church, so that covers me for this. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> that's uh, what if you what if you wrote a check? Same thing. What if, if what if the check hasn't been cashed though? You wrote the check, you just haven't seen the money pull. I'm trying to stump you in the last minute here. I, hey, I say deduct it. Yeah. Let's deduct it. No, if it's if if it truly left your account, left your you know, if you put it in the mail, you. Um, it, it's out of your control at that point. The gift is completed from your standpoint as a taxpayer. So I would deduct it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would agree. And there are, uh, you, you have a special $300 deduction mm -hmm. uh, for cash contributions to a nonprofit. There's other special deduction rules for last year for 2020 on, um, you know, gifting a certain amount of your adjusted gross income, work with your CPA. Ryan's not half bad. Work with work with Ryan or work with the CPA, get, get some help. So, all right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Ryan Fair, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. See you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.